Victory Midtown. Are y'all excited to be in church this morning? I'm excited to be here today. I'm looking forward to a great time with you. Nine o'clock service was great, and um, it's a sunny day outside, so we just get to have a great time together. So real quick before I jump into the message, I want to do something because I don't necessarily think we know how many people are usually joining us in these services. A lot of times we're here and we see the people that are around us sitting next to us, but there are a whole host of people that are watching online. And I just want us to take a moment because every week uh, via Facebook, we actually stream this service out. And there are people that are all over the country that are streaming in, that are commenting and saying, that word was for me. Thank you. I appreciate it. So if we could, can we just kind of turn around a little bit to that camera, just wave at them and put our hands together and welcome our Facebook family. Awesome. Awesome. So listen, are y'all recovered from Thanksgiving yet? What, what, what is the statute of limitations on how many days you can eat leftovers? One, two, somebody said four. All right. Whatever works for you, make sure you get it in today. Well, listen, we are right in the middle. We're here uh, finishing up a couple more weeks of our Holy Spirit series, as Nathan mentioned, and we are calling it the third person. In the last couple of weeks, what we've done is we've laid a foundation about the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but for many of us in the room, when we heard about Holy Spirit growing up, it was always just boiled down to one expression. It was boiled down to one thing called, you know, speaking in tongues. And what would happen is that that would be something that would either pull people to it or push people away from dealing with the subject of the Holy Spirit. But what we've been doing here for the last couple of weeks is really trying to bring some practicality to the Holy Spirit. Really trying to demystify the thought about the Holy Spirit so that we can really experience him. Yes, I said him. Because over the past few weeks, what we did in the first week of the series, we talked about and focused on the fact that Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person, and we have to know that because in order to actually have a personal relationship with him, we have to know that he's a person. And in last week, what we talked about, we talked about him being our best friend our guide. There are many different descriptions of who he is when you actually read John 14, and it says he's our comforter, he's our paraclete, he's our standby, he's the one that's with us. But most of all, what we talked about is that he wants to be our best friend, and he wants to guide us. He wants to guide us. Because if you're honest, a lot of us, we find ourselves wandering if we don't have the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if you're really honest, even with the uh, uh, influence of the Holy Spirit, we still wander because we'll kind of just kind of give him the Heisman sometimes when he's telling us to do something. But today what we're doing, we're going to jump in and we're going to dig a little bit deeper and we're going to talk about this Holy Spirit idea of his character, his personality. So we're shifting gears from talking about his relationship to us, around us, and now shifting into who is he in us. And how does he want to be exemplified in us? And we're going to be talking about calling this, this particular message his character, his character. So the third person, Holy Spirit, we're talking about his character. Now, as you celebrated Thanksgiving, whether you were by yourself or you were around a whole lot of family, what I believe is that many of us, we probably at one time or another this week, were around some people that you grew up with. You may have been around some people, your parents, your mom, your dad. And for me, while we were celebrating Thanksgiving, I was around my dad for a little bit. And I remember about three different times where we would see some things that said, okay, all right, I see why I act like that. I see why I make that facial expression when that happens. As a matter of fact, my wife, like three different times, she was like, okay, I'm getting a lot more understanding about this person I'm living with. 
because she would see him respond to something in the same way that I would respond to it. Now, what am I saying? The whole thing that I thought about was that the more you are around a certain person or people, you're usually influenced by them. You start to take on certain characteristics. You start to find yourselves operating in those same mannerisms. And how much more if we would do that with people than God wants us to do it with him, the Holy Spirit? What I want to do, I, we were preparing this message, Pastor Randy, Pastor Colleen, and I, and we just said just a little funny kind of little comic relief to kind of show us what I'm talking about. Just go ahead and watch this. We used to love going out with Julia and Mike, but since they bought their new house... Which menu am I looking at here? Start with tapas. Oh, it's tapas. Tapas. Get out of town. It's like eating dinner with your parents. Sandra, are you in school? Yes, I'm in art school. Oh, wow. So have you thought about how you're going to make money? At least we're learning some new things. We bundled our home and auto with Progressive. Saved a bunch. Oh, we got a wobbler. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. That's what the extra menu's for. Oh, now, that was just a little bit of comic relief, but the whole thing is I want to make sure I know I just actually helped somebody because somebody's been calling tapas to pass for a long time. <laughs> you might not have to raise your hands, but I know we just helped you right there. But the whole crux of that commercial, again, it was just something just to kind of make us laugh a little bit as we come through the holidays. But the whole crux of this is that our personality traits and our attributes are usually influenced by the people that have influence on our lives by the people who we're in close proximity with, by the people who we spend a lot of time with, and a lot of times things are transferred even through our DNA. And as we're looking at this today, I think we need to understand that Holy Spirit wants to have that close proximity with us. He wants to have that relationship with us, that his attributes start to lean on us, that who he is starts to influence us, that when people actually describe him, what they actually start to do is describe us. So as we're walking through this, we want to grab this and actually be influenced by his personality. We want to be influenced by his character. Because here's my first main point that I want you to write down. If you're following by version, I believe it's already there. But I said it in a different way, but I want to say it very clearly. The point is, the more and the closer you have relationship with someone, the more you start to take on their attributes. The more and the closer you have relationship with someone, the more you start to take on their attributes. And we want to make sure that we take on the attributes of God. We want to take on the attributes of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of us, again, I said it earlier, when we hear about Holy Spirit, sometimes we kind of back up a little bit because we feel like it's going to be weird. We feel like it's just going to be talking about tongues. And actually, there's even been condemnation in the church for people who don't necessarily have their prayer language or speak in tongues. And there's this misnomer that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to let you know today, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have confessed him as Lord, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. Can you say amen to that? So as we're walking through this, I want to kind of recap quickly something I said last week. And the statement I made last week was that we're either being influenced of the flesh leading to death or we're being influenced to the voice of the spirit leading to life and peace. Either the flesh ultimately to death, or are we actually being bent towards the place of the spirit, which is life and peace? And our desire, my desire, is for us to embrace the attributes of the Holy Spirit, to embrace the attributes that he wants us to walk with. Why? Because believe it or not, I don't know if you know this or if you've realized it, 
But there's only 31 days left in this year. Bigger than that, there's only 31 days left in this decade. Let that sink in for a minute. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just roll into the next decade. I don't want to just roll into 2020. I don't want to be the same mode that I was in last decade and this upcoming decade. I want to make sure that I'm operating in all of what God has for me, all that he's prepared for me, all that he's made available for me. And I believe I'm in a church that wants the same thing. Can somebody say amen? So as we look at this, I want us to grab this because the only way that we're going to be better, the only way that we're going to be able to grow past the place that we're in is that we have to understand that the helper is here for us. Somebody say that with me. The helper is here for me. And as you realize that the helper is here for us, he will help guide us in the things that he has for us. So here's the thing. If we have this relationship with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want to just be a person that we just kind of talk about. He wants to be one who influences in us and around us. He wants to be the person who we lean on to say, I know that I can't do this on my own, and I'm actually growing with you as I walk through this process. So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of set a foundation. And after this Thanksgiving holiday, I said, I'm going to have the church preach with me today. Because I know some of you, again, you might be on your four days after your Thanksgiving meal. You might have a little lethargy. You might be someone who might be suffering from the itis a little bit. But today, I don't want you just to look at me. I want you just to join with me as we preach this message together. Is that all right? So the 9 o'clock service, they did all right. But I believe the 11 o'clock service, y'all can actually bring some strength with this. What are we going to do? We're going to read this passage of Scripture together. We're going to go old school a little bit and do a little responsive reading. And what I want you to do, you're going to start this off because some of you say, you know, I want to preach. You're going to get your chance today. So when we start this, I want you to go hard. I want you to say it with fervor. I want you to say it with strength. And don't die off as we get to the end. Stay strong all the way through. We're going to read about nine verses all together, and we're going to split those together, all right? So it's going to be on the screen. you got a cheat sheet. It's going to say, congregation, when it's your time. Don't say it when it's on my time. Let's get started. Go ahead. Y'all sound good. Good preachers. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, Being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, somebody say amen, and all of other similar behavior. 
Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? need you to open your ears and lean in on this last part. Verse 24 says this. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with Messiah. This last line is important. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. Now, why did I have us read that? I didn't just have us read that to fill time. I didn't just have, that, have us read that just so that we can all sound good together. I wanted us to read that because I believe even in that scripture, there's so much power in it. So much so that I want you to actually use that as a meditation scripture this week. That's actually from the Passion Translation. So all week this week, I want you to grab it, meditate on it, read through it, because this is a guide to how Holy Spirit wants to influence our lives. When we hear this, we see that this scripture is loaded. And it outlines our effects of living really with the Holy Spirit or not. So when we're talking about the Holy Spirit in relationship to us, we're shifting today of how he now affects us. How he now from the inside out starts to produce his fruit on the inside of us. So the great thing that we're talking about today is the fruit of the Spirit. If you're wondering, write that down. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about his character. And his character traits are what we take on that needs to have influence in our lives so that we can influence other people. Now, as we look at this, when you look at the word fruit, it's defined as this, the effect or consequence of an action or operation. It's the product of or result of. So the big idea that we're talking about today that I want us to grab, if you don't catch anything else, is that we want to ask ourselves the question, what will be the tangible result of this spiritual experience that I'm having with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to say it one more time because I want you to grab it. I want you to kind of take it in. What will be the result? of this spiritual experience that we're having with the Holy Spirit? Is this something that's just going to be somewhere out there? Or when people see us, will they see that we had something change in us? As we're looking through this, we want to make sure we see that something has changed in us, not just because we say we're spiritual, not just because we have a prayer language, not just because we're doing these things and we're showing up in church, but because of how when people look at our lives, they say, oh, yeah, I can identify with that person, and the attributes of the Spirit are evident in them. So when we look at this, again, the fruit of the Spirit, they are virtues that are produced because of the relationship with Holy Spirit. Now, I want to break this down a little bit, and I'm actually going to probably talk about this a little bit differently than what you've heard before, because I want to kind of take my time. I want us to be able to, again, have a practical understanding of this spiritual experience so that when we leave here, we understand what God is saying to us and what he wants for us. Now, I want to be clear that these virtues are characterized as fruit, singular fruit. Write that down. Singular fruit. They're characterized as singular fruit because when you get these things embodied in your life, you get all of this grace. You get all nine virtues. 
But it's talking about works when it comes and goes adversely to the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are many. The works of the flesh are all those things that were laid down in that scripture in Galatians 5. Those are symptoms of us not having the fruit. Amen? So when we look at this, we want to know how do we operate in these attributes? How do we operate in these nine characteristics, the personality, the character of the Holy Spirit? Let me break this down for us. It's actually broken down in three segments. The nine attributes are broken down in, in three segments. The first segment is actually geared towards our attitude towards God, our attitude towards God. It reflects not only our attitudes, but who God is in us. So we start with number one, love, love. In all its varied expressions, so every way that love is expressed, you want to receive that. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says this, anyone who does not love does not know God. So when people see you again, they should see love coming from you to actually receive what God is doing in you. Number two, joy. It's a joy that overflows. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We're not operating talking about happiness right now. Because how many of you know happiness can come and go? Happiness can be circumstantial. Happiness can make you feel good when you know, have money in the bank and you feel bad when you don't have money in the bank. Happiness comes when people are around you applauding you, but it goes away when you feel a little isolated. But when you have the joy, you're actually tapping into God's presence that he brings that in and through you. Number three, peace. Peace. This is peace that subdues. We call Jesus the Prince of Peace, which means when he's present in our lives, we know we have peace right there with us. We can always depend on him. When things are a little hard in our lives, we can say, Jesus, I need your peace. We can say, Jesus, I need to make sure I'm connected with you in this. Now, the second triad of these attributes, it starts with long-suffering. Now, long-suffering, and these all deal with the social relationships. Look at somebody on your left and your right real quick. Look them in the eye. Look them in the eye. Don't be scared. This is how you deal with them, all right? This is how you deal with that person you might have a little challenge with or you just might feel a little awkward with. These are social interactions, long-suffering, long-suffering. This is also seen and heard as patience that endures, patience that endures. You know, this week some of y'all had to operate in long-suffering when you were with your family. Somebody said amen right over there in that corner. The second one is kindness, Kindness. This means kindness in action, sweetness. Even when someone has not given you a reason to be kind to them, you show them a little sweetener. You're able to show them that you're bigger than the circumstance. Goodness. Goodness is a life full of virtue, giving love. I'm breaking these down because I want us to grab this. A lot of times we just run through them and we just give them all, but I want us to know what this is. Goodness means a life of full virtue, giving love. Now, here's the thing. This third group, these are the principles that guide our Christian conduct. These are the, the tools to our Christian life. Number one in this last piece, faithfulness. Faithfulness. This is faith that prevails, and write this down, not based on other people's actions. This is when someone doesn't even deserve for you to actually stay with them, but because you have the fruit of the Spirit, you're able to say, I'm going to be faithful even when you're not faithful. When that person does something and you know, you know they knew what they were doing. You're saying, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this so that I can reflect him. As we look at the next one, it's gentleness. Gentleness of heart. This is where we don't become jaded. Where we don't get hard-hearted. 
Have you ever met people that you said, okay, somebody messed them up from my encounter with them? You see people that are dealing with certain things that they have a hard heart, that they're a little jaded. They're looking at everybody like they have an agenda. It's because somebody messed them up, but we want to make sure we operate in the attributes of the spirit and say, I'm not going to have a hard heart. And then lastly, self-control. Self-control. This is when we put our actions under the lordship of Jesus Christ and we're led by the spirit. I like to say it like this a lot of times. Strength under control. That is what I call humility. Humility is not when you're just saying, okay, I'm going to back back. Humility is like, okay, I'm going to operate in self-control even when I know I could go off on you right now. The lordship of Jesus Christ subdues me because I have self-control. So as we're looking at these, these nine attributes, they're actually the outward attributes of an inner fulfilling. I'm going to say that again. They're the outward attributes of an inner fulfilling. Fulfilling. So what we look at here is that the reality is that people in the world, they want to see these attributes. What's happening and one of the reasons in the body of Christ, while people are even coming away from church, while they're not going to church, is because they look at people that say they are going to church, that are in Christ, and they don't see these attributes. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that we don't add to that fire. We want to bring people closer to God through our lives, not push them away. Because the reality is that most people, they want less talking and more being. They actually want less theory and more practice. Because we don't want to just say we're about it. We want to be about it. And as we're talking about grabbing these attributes, this is the way that we're able to be about who we say we are in relationship with. Amen? So here's the thing. I talked about this a little bit last week. You cannot operate in the fruit of the Spirit if you're not willing to deal with the root. If you're not willing to deal with the root, which is what we talked about last week, that we were all born into sin, into a sin consciousness, but by the grace of God, we're able to be redeemed. If you don't deal with that and say, listen, I know that I have a natural bend towards the flesh, but I want to bend towards the Spirit. And I want to submit everything that I am to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is why what I talked about earlier with Galatians 5, I want to read a piece of that real quickly so that we grab it. Because we know, like we said last week, the flesh and the spirit cannot coexist. And many of us have seen that tension in our lives, and we don't want to walk in that tension anymore. In verse 16, I just want to bring this to bear one more time. It says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you abandon the cravings of the self-life. For your self-life craves, it's going to always be going after the things of the flesh. And that offends the Holy Spirit and hinders you from living free within you. But that last line again, while I was studying, it's really just jumped out at me. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you power to resist temptation. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you patience with that person that does not yield patience. And as we're walking through this, I want to tell you, there's not a week that goes by that I don't have conversations with even some of you in this room, with people that are around the city that don't say, I know that there's another me on the inside of me, but I keep falling to these things of the flesh. I know that there's a greater portion in me that God wants me to operate in, but I'm not able to do this on my own. 
And what I tell them real nicely over my uh, flat white, I say, you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You're not going to be able to do this thing of life operating in the things of the spirit by yourself. So just take that off the board. It's not about you being so spiritual. It's not about you being someone who has attained. It's about a constant submitting to the things of the spirit. So as we're walking through this, this is what I call, as we talk about these attributes, this is what I call birthmarks. Birthmarks. When I was studying, I was thinking about this, and I said, you know, when, when you see someone who is exemplifying the attributes of the Spirit, you look at them and say, that's a mark that is showing me that they believe in the things of God. They're showing me something bigger than the circumstances calling for. They're showing me something. Even when I've been stressed out, they've been able to be a person that came on the scene and exemplified peace. Even when I actually tried to push them away, they've been a person that has yielded forbearance and patience with me. Some of us in this room, married people, even this morning, you have been able to come outside of yourself and be able to say, I'm coming to church because I'm not going to allow the circumstance to drive us away. We're going to be patient. We're going to be forbearing with each other. And that's what God wants us to do. No matter what your circumstance is, he wants you to know you can take hold of all these attributes. These are at your fingertips if you will take hold of them. But here's the thing. Many of us are not realizing that we have some benefits to us. Many of us are not realizing that we've left the benefits of God on the table and we've operated like the world through many things when God is saying, I've given you these nine things as fruit that I want to work through you. One scripture that I've read over and over again in my time of just even being in ministry and even listening to the word, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it breaks something down because it actually tells us who we are. It gives us some affirmation of who we are in the spirit. And I want to read this to you because it shows us how we ought to operate in our posture. It says this, but you are not like that. What is that that? In verse 8, it talks about those who stumble in disobedience to the word. It says, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Can, can y'all say this? I'm a chosen person. It says, you are a royal priest. Can you say that? I'm a royal priest. You are a holy nation. Say that with your chest. I'm a holy nation. You are God's very own possession. Say that. I'm his possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. When you take on these attributes, you're able to now show God, others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But the thing is, some of us have kept ourselves in the closet. Some of us, while he's saying you're to be someone who shows the light, you've kept yourself in the closet because you don't think you're worthy. And God is saying, if you are saved, if you have committed your life to Jesus, if you have asked him to come into your heart, you have these benefits. This is who you are. You're not the names that people told you. You're not the downfall that someone called you and said that you're not enough. You are a holy nation, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. But in order to grab these, we have to get in sync and start to obtain the characteristics, the personality, and the attributes of the Spirit. So how do we do this? We do this in a couple ways that I want to share with you. You do this by, by getting in touch with God and saying, I want to live with you without any inhibitors. And when I was writing this down, I want you to, to make this very easy to remember. We have to live in 3D. Live in 3D. There's three D's that I want to give us today about how we live. 
Yes, we have to do this in mind, body, and spirit, but just so you remember it, we have to take on a tangible experience with the things of God. The first way that I want to break down that we get in fellowship with Holy Spirit to take these attributes is that we have to, number one, have a desperation about ourselves. A desperation. Now, I'm not talking about how we hear it like Todd said. We don't have to beg God to move. We don't have to cry out and say, Lord, I'm not worthy. But what we do have to do is we have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. How many of you would agree with me that we don't change anything until we're sick and tired? You don't shift something until you're really tired of operating in that same thing. And what we're talking about with desperation, it's actually our heart posture more than it is saying something with your mouth. There's a quote that says this, it's only after you've stepped outside of your comfort zone that you begin to change, grow, and transform. It's only after you come outside that comfort zone until you start to change. How many of you believe that this year, you can end this year well, but in 2020, you're saying, I'm not going to be the same person that I was? Yeah, it might have been good to you. You might have made some good friends. You might have had some good business opportunities. But God is telling us by his spirit, I have more for you. I have more for you, but you're going to have to get out your comfort zone this year. You're going to have to get out your comfort zone in this next decade. And what I want us to do as a line in the sand to have a definitive moment on December 1st, 2019, becomes the day that everything changed. Not because this mystic thing, but because you made it a choice and said, I'm coming outside of what I've been comfortable in. And as we come outside of what has been comfortable, we start to cry out to the Lord in a desperation of our heart saying, I don't want to do this without you. Psalm 107 verse 6, it says this, and this was David actually writing this psalm. It was like he was in bondage and chains and he was saying, I need you, God, like I never needed you before. But he said it like this. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Sometimes we have to get in a little trouble to realize we need more than what we've been in. But the message version says this, in my desperate condition, you called out to God. So some of us need to call out to God today because it belongs, it begins and says this, and he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men will give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Here's the part that I really want you to see. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. When we hear this, when we say we're crying out to the Lord, knowing that I can't do it by myself, that's when we start to say, I can't do this without you, God. The place that I've been in, I don't want to be in anymore. The shift that I need to make will only happen if I take on your attributes. So as we're walking through this and we're getting these nine attributes, they fill us up in different ways. They shift us in different ways. But what happens is we have to do something that actually is applied in the scripture that I live as one of my life verses in Galatians chapter 2.20 where it says, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. What does this mean in the breakdown? The Passion Translation says it like this. I want you to hear this. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. So that means the way that people saw you before, you can crucify that person. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. 
We live in union as one. Somebody say as one. This is not Jesus over here or Holy Spirit over here and you over here. He's like, I'm walking with you as one. We live in union as one, and my new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. When I read that, I saw, man, that means, God, when I'm out here trying to do things by myself, you're actually telling me, sit down. You don't have to do that. I'm infusing the same power that I have on the inside of you. I'm putting these attributes, which are abilities, inside of you to live far beyond what you think you can walk in. So when you think you can't be patient, you can be patient. When you think you can't be loving, you can be loving. But the fact of the matter is, so many people have looked at the fruit of the Spirit, and they've backed up and just said, okay, well, I'm spiritual, I speak in tongues, so I must operate in the Spirit. No, I'm saying if we're not operating these attributes, we have to recheck ourselves. We have to come back to the things that God has for us. And the fact of the matter is that some of us have to submit under the hand of God. Real quickly, as I was thinking about this, I thought about many times how I've shared with you that I take jujitsu and things like that. I remember hearing my coach tell this person who was trying to tell him how to teach the class. We were sparring and he was trying to tell him, well, I learned this thing off YouTube. And he said, well, don't ever say that again in my class. And the reason he did that was because when we started sparring, this person kept ending up in a position that was not really convenient for himself. And what he told him, he was saying, listen, he, he, the guy had him in a hold and he was about to black out. And I remember him yelling to him and saying, listen, submit, submit, submit. That means tap out. And the guy didn't want to submit. And our coach just kept yelling. He said, you will never learn how to get into a new position of favor until you actually submit to this place where you put yourself in. And for some of us in the room, you might not be taking jujitsu, but God has had you in a gentle chokehold saying, listen, I'm not trying to harm you. I'm not trying to put you down. I just want you to know that you need to submit in order to get to this new place that I have for you, in order for you to receive this new instruction that I have for you. Some of us just need to say, tap out. Say, tap out. We have to submit to the things of God. Because the fact of the matter is, we'll either tap out or we'll break something. And some of us have been hitting ourselves up against the wall because we're not willing to submit. And that leads me to what I want to talk about next when it talks about getting a discipline. Getting a discipline. The next D is discipline. Now, I don't want you to get ahead of me because sometimes when we think about discipline, we just think about works that we do. We think about our ability. We think about, okay, I'm going to get up and pray for an hour. I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible for this long. What I'm talking about with discipline is this, and I want you to hear this thought. We have to have discipline in our walk with God and getting his attributes because it's much easier to receive the gifts of the Spirit than it is to develop the fruit of the Spirit. One more time. It's much easier for us just to receive the gifts of the Spirit than it is for us to develop the fruit of the Spirit. Because when we receive this fruit of the Spirit, we're like, okay, God, you gave me that. But to develop it where it becomes new in our lives, where it becomes fresh in our lives, that takes us doing some things. And the discipline that we have, we have to have this right here, discipline in dependence. Write that down. Not independence. Discipline in dependence. That's a discipline where we're depending on God. 
that each and every day I'm having discipline enough to know that this is a new day in God. And I have to submit myself to him, that this is a new moment in him, that what was good for that day yesterday is not going to be good for today, that I need to be fresh in the things that he has for me. Because when we have that, what we do is we grab it and we say, okay, I can do this on my own if we're not careful. I was writing this message down, and this part right here, I actually put a note on my message because this is for somebody. I don't know who this is for. But some of us have received certain gifts from God that he's put us in certain situations that our character is not lining up to keep us in. And the thing about it is that if we don't understand that we have to have discipline in it, talent without temperance creates tainting. Talent without temperance, self-restraint, creates tainting. So for somebody, for many of us in the room here today, God has put some things in us. He showed us some things. He's put us in some positions and said, I want you to be here. I'm blessing you in it, but I need you to now have some temperance. I need you to have some self-restraint. I need you to have some discipline to depend on me, not thinking you got yourself in this situation. Because if we don't do that, what we'll do is we'll find ourselves in something that we, we can't get ourselves out of. So the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we just have as an as a add-on. It's something that we need to have as a guide. Now, here it is. To develop the fruit of the Spirit, as we're talking about being disciplined in our dependence, here's Philippians chapter 2. It says this. Listen to this very carefully because it gives us certain clues throughout this scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, in the Amplified Version, it says, So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. This means to cultivate it, to bring it to full effect, to actively pursue spiritual maturity. We can't sit here and think this is going to happen by itself. We have to actively pursue spiritual maturity, but that's not where it stops. We have to do that with awe-inspiring fear and trembling using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Here's the part that we kind of get mixed up because we get down this road and we start to try to do it ourselves. But I want you to know that this is what God has for us. He says, it, it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose with his good pleasure. What is all of that saying? You have to be disciplined to be dependent on God, but he has to do the work. We have to be dependent and saying, God, I need you, but he's the one that brings the fruit to fruition. And if we ever get that backwards, what we find ourselves operating in is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is what happens when people think that they have it all together. Self-righteousness is when you look at people and you're judging them and you're looking at their character and their conduct doesn't match. So I asked them to put this uh, slide on the screen. I want to show you something. There's a slide that when we talk about character and conduct, if you look at this here, what you see is that character should always be the foundation of what we walk in. And what you know is that character is who you are when nobody's looking. But conduct is what happens when everyone sees you out in public. And the thing about it is that what we want to do is character, we want it to start to feed the way you operate in conduct. And then we want this to end up being something that is not broken, 
that your conduct feeds your character and your character feeds your conduct so that what people see and what you say you are match together and there's no division. And the only way we're able to do this where character becomes our foundation of what we are is if we keep on being disciplined and saying, Lord, I know I don't have it all together, but I'm still submitting this conduct to you. Lord, I know there's something in my heart that's really not lined up with you, but I'm going to keep putting this on the altar. I'm going to keep asking my prayer team to pray with me. I'm going to keep reading the word so that I can get it. But we can't let our character and our conduct be divided. We have to submit it all to God. Amen? And that actually, the way we do that is a few ways. Write these few ways down. They're very simple, but I want to give it to you. We discipline our, ourselves by being dependent by doing, number one, reading our Bible. We talked about this last week. Reading your Bible. Because when you read your Bible, your Bible reads you. Have you ever been reading Scripture and you say, ooh. Like, I didn't know that was in there. It reads you. It corrects us. It, it allows us to have a mirror to our faces. Prayer. Prayer, I talked about this last week, how we're not talking about this prayer as this super mystical thing where with every prayer you have to start with, oh, God, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, sometimes you have to be, say, be able to say, Lord, I need you. I just need help right now. I just need to be able to say, Lord, can you get me through this moment so that I can actually see your attributes? Prayer, worship, expressing our love to God. What we don't want is that the only time we worship is to be the first 17 minutes of a service on Sunday. But you ought to be the worship leader in your car. You ought to be the worship leader at your job. Somebody said, I am. I'm a worship leader in my shower. You have to continue to practice these things. And that leads us to the last thing I want to share with us, that we have to have a connection even with other believers. That's why every Sunday we say before we leave here, don't just run out of here without connecting with anybody. Don't just leave here and do life alone. We want to make sure that we have what? A culture of care, culture of community care, a culture of care. We have a culture of care here at Victory Midtown where we're not doing life alone. And when we do this, we're able to yield and shift to this third piece that I want to share with us before we close today. As we go through a desperation, as we have discipline to be dependent on God, that leads us to have a delight in the things of the Lord. It leads us to have a delight in the things of the Lord. Where when we get up in the morning, we're able to say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm being made glad in it. When you wake up in the morning and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not doing this by myself. Even as the scripture says in Psalm chapter 40, I delight in your will, oh my God, and your law is within me. Your attributes are within me. Your fruit is within me. Because we want to see a different result. By a show of hands, do you want to see better in your life? Yeah, I know some of us are doing real well. But I believe as we're talking about this Holy Spirit, as we're talking about what he wants to do in us, he wants to give us new joy. He wants to give us new strength. And he wants us to bear this fruit in our lives. I want to read a scripture to us that gives us a capping of what all of this does and the posture that it puts us in. And the scripture is something you've probably heard before. It's in Psalms 1. In Psalms 1, it tells us the posture that God wants to put us in. But when you read this, what you'll do is you'll find that it takes these steps that we talked about to be planted in this way. Psalms 1, verse 1, says this. Blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God 
is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, following their advice and example, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit down to rest in the seat of scoffers, those who are ridiculers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, his precepts and teaching, he habitually meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted and fed by the streams of water. Here's the part that I want us to grab. Which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, not some of what he does, in whatever he does, he prospers and comes to maturity. What we're talking about today, again, is not just something that we grab as these little options of different things that we want to say that we're spiritual. What we're grabbing and what we're talking about today is fruit that remains. We're talking about when people see us, they really don't see us, but they see the God in us. When people encounter us, they have now received some of the image of God because they had an encounter with us. And when we leave here today, we're not leaving here saying, okay, Holy Spirit is this thing, this apparition. We're saying, Holy Spirit is my empowerment. Holy Spirit gives me these attributes. Holy Spirit is giving me a makeover so that I can walk in the things that God has for me. But we have to be disciplined. We have to be desperate. We have to delight in him. And we have to make sure that we're not grieving him by casting him aside. So in this moment, I want to do something. I want to take a moment. And I asked the worship team just to sing this song again. Because as we were singing it, when it said, Holy Spirit, fill this heart again. Some of us have been pushing the fruit away. When God is saying, you need to embrace this. You need to be filled again. You need to know that I am here for you. So in this moment, I want to just take a time, whatever you want to do, if you want to bow your head, if you want to lift your hands, if you want to take a moment to meditate on how you need Holy Spirit to allow these attributes to be real in your life, let's take a moment and just worship the Lord. And then we're going to close this out by just making a few declarations.
I just want you to take a moment and ask Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this moment? What are the attributes? What are the things that your character yields that I need to now embrace? And while you're thinking about that, this is the power that changes us. This is the power that embraces us. This is the spirit that overtakes us. So Sierra, just real softly, can you just sing, it's the power of your presence. It's the power of your presence that changes us, your glory all around us. And we're undone, you open up the heavens, fall afresh on one more time, one more time. It's the power of your presence that changes us, your glory all around us. And we're undone, you open up the heavens, fall afresh on Work in and through us, Holy Spirit. What I realize is in a room like this where we are yielding ourselves to Holy Spirit, this is a time where we are most open to what he wants to do in our lives. I'm not crazy to think that every single person in this room is able to embrace Holy Spirit because there may be someone in here who has not first embraced Jesus. But what my desire is as we get ready to leave today is that no one leaves this place without knowing the presence first of Jesus, then being able to walk in the assistance of the helper, which is Holy Spirit. So if you're in here today and you said, man, you know, I want these attributes. I want to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. But I realized that I first need to surrender to Jesus. I came today knowing that there is something more that I need that I can give myself. If you're in here today while every head is bowed and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you want to surrender and say, yes, not only is this day, December 1st, a day where everything changed, my heart changed, my spirit changed, I received salvation, I came out of the grips of hell and now I'm entering into the grips of the king. If that's you in here while all of our heads are bowed, can you just slip one of your hands up in the air? seated hands. I see you. In the same spirit, Victory Midtown, can we pray this prayer together and then we're going to make some declarations before we leave this place. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for even making it possible that I can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Today, I repent which means I turn away from my old way of doing things. I don't want to operate in my power anymore, but I turn towards your way of doing things. And Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Guide me in your path. 
so that I can live for you. From this day on, I can declare that I am saved and I surrender to Jesus. Amen. Let's just make these declarations as we continue to welcome Holy Spirit. I want you to say this with me. Holy Spirit, I am desperate to know you because I know that I can't live life without you. I am depending on you to produce fruit in me. I want to walk in delightful fellowship with you. That when people see me, they will be able to feel and see you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Victory Midtown, can you put your hands together if you really are excited about walking in this new found understanding of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Can we do better than that? Not about what I said, but about this relationship with the Holy Spirit. God bless you, Victory Midtown. It's a great day. Have an awesome, awesome weekend.